Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. There's so much marketing that, you know, I fell for as a personal trainer whose business was doing the research and health and fitness. And I fell for that. So I can understand how so many people do. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 137. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Happy New Year, veggie lovers. 2021 is here, the year that we have all been waiting for for 10 years. I'm just joking. But 2020 was very intense. And I'm hoping that this year will bring resolution to many of the struggles that we dealt with in the year 2020. All kinds of interesting things that we encountered, an interesting journey for sure. But welcome, welcome. Welcome to the year 2021. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am just so grateful and so glad to be here with you today. Thank you for coming back again and again to listening to this podcast. I hope that it inspires you and it just brings joy into your life. I have a great guest for you today, all the way from Australia, Sydney, Australia. Her name is Kate Galley. She's so cool, definitely an advocate for the animals, but also she is into fitness and nutrition. So I love that combination. 
And I can't wait for you to hear her story. I'll tell you more about her in a minute. Remember that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment by a healthcare professional. So if you have concerns about you and your child's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult your healthcare provider. So Kate Galley is relentlessly focused on creating fit, strong, healthy, happy, compassionate vegan world. She will help you create the mindset that makes your best hashtag plant strong eating and exercising choices simple and sustainable. Kate got into fitness as a way to transform her body in confidence. She made it a career 15 years ago and over the past four to five years has focused on vegan health coaching as one of the most powerful ways to advocate for animals to be fit, strong, healthy, and happy. She is qualified as a master personal trainer, life coach, NLP practitioner, and has also completed the eCornell plant-based nutrition certificate program. And she is from Sydney, Australia. So it's so cool to talk to her from all the way across the world. Her website is strongbodygreenplanet.com. And that's how you can find her on social media as well. So in this episode, we talk about her journey into first vegetarianism and then to veganism. We talk about animal agriculture and the meat-centric culture of Australia, as well as the United States, and what her vision is for the world to create a vegan world, what she feels that people's greatest obstacle is when they first adopt a vegan lifestyle, and she has 10 really great tips to make adopting a plant-based lifestyle easy. I think you're really going to love the tips that she gives. This is such a fantastic conversation. Definitely just love Kate, all that she's doing, the compassion that she has and how she's helping so many people with her approach. So I know that you're also going to enjoy this conversation again. Happy new year. Welcome to the new year. And now let's listen to this beautiful conversation between me and Kate Galley. Kate Galley, all the way from Australia. Thank you so much for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio today. Dr. Yami, it's such a pleasure to be with you here today. Well, I just want to commend you for being up so early. It's <laughs> only 8.40 in the morning here, but where you are, it's like 3.40 in the morning. So that's a pretty big sacrifice. And I'm sure you have all your energy ready to go for this interview. So thank you so much for making the sacrifice for getting up so early. I so do. It's, it's no sacrifice. We're um, full of beans and good to go. Awesome. Well, what's the weather like over there in Australia right now? Oh, I can't tell right now. However, yesterday it was stunning. And do you know, I keep, we had a little bit of rain at the end of um, September, beginning of um uh, summer where we are now. And, and every time it rains, everyone is just so grateful that it's not yeah. fires like it was yes. this time last year. You know, um, I'll take whatever weather we get if there's no fires. Yeah. It's been a crazy year 
I mean, the past 12 months, there's so many things that have happened. It's almost like, how can so much happen in one year? <laughs> but yeah, so nice. But it's warm there, huh? The temperature is warm. It's summer. It's beautiful. Yeah. I live in Sydney and it's just, it, it, it is very stunning. We're very lucky. Great for, for beautiful long walks along the beach. So yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, that sounds amazing. So I am almost in winter here, uh, winter. So cold snow, which is also nice, you know, but man, I love, I'm a summer girl. I love hot weather. I like tank tops and flip flops. That's my preferred way to be. I love that. I'm going to have to borrow that tank tops and flip flops. I, I like, <laughs> I like your style. <laughs> well, Kate, why don't you tell me about your vegan and plant-based journey? How did you get to where you are today? For sure. Um, I turned vegetarian first, as as so many people did when I was 16 years old, because I didn't want anyone to die for my food choices. And obviously, I wish I knew then what I now know. It would actually take me another 23 years after that to become vegan eventually. And I'm one of those many people that was lucky enough to, to see the, the movie, the documentary Cowspiracy. And that kind of, um, I guess that, that lifted the lid on everything that I potentially suspected had been the case, but I hadn't sought it out. I hadn't sought out, you know, the footage to see how the, the cows and the, the chickens lived for, for the eggs that I still consumed, the dairy that I still consumed, you know, I'd, I'd been working in fitness for, I guess, 10 years then because it's been 15 years now. And I'd built my business and my body and my brand around a, a higher protein, lower carb, a vegetarian lifestyle. Um, and again, I described myself as an ethical vegetarian back then. And so it was actually really terrifying the thought of having to adopt this vegan lifestyle because it was a non-negotiable once I I knew the truth um, mm -hmm. but it was pretty terrifying thinking hey what's this actually going to mean to um, Bainley my body my fitness my health um, is it going to be doable and obviously it absolutely was. Wow. Yeah. That reminds me of Dotsie uh, Bausch, the Olympian who had the same feelings whenever she realized that she was going to give up the dairy. And then she was like, how is this going to work for my career and my athleticism and all of that? So tell me what happened. How did you transition off of the eggs and the dairy? How long did it take? And how did you feel? Did you notice any changes in your body, positive, negative? First off, love Dotsie Bell. She is such an amazing woman, such a sweetheart. Um, however, so far as my journey, um, I kind of went pretty much overnight. I felt mm. like I'd, I felt pretty angry actually that I'd mm. turned vegetarian for ethical reasons at 16 and, and so many years of adding to the exploitation and the cruelty unawares. So it pretty much was overnight for me. And I think I'm lucky in that I really don't care about social inconvenience or being the odd one out or mm. sticking out. I'll do what's aligned with my values and beliefs non-negotiably. Um, so the hardest thing was probably the eggs. I, I had loved the eggs and I haven't, 
I still haven't nailed how to make an amazing vegan omelette, even though I've eaten so many, I just haven't been able to cook one yet. Um, but I just, I just changed meal by meal, right? Like the easiest uh, adjustments that you can make. It's really easy to swap your smoothie with whey protein powder for a smoothie with plant-based protein powder. I had a huge lunch at salad time and I topped it with ricotta and it's pretty easy to change that for pesto and, and pro vegan pesto and protein pimped hummus and dinner was the tough one so I just worked through meals on mass that I could make that you know were vegan and delicious and there were some recipe flops along the way but you know bit by bit you come up with you know one recipe that's a keeper and then a second that's a keeper and so far as my health my body barely changed. I maybe lost a tiny little bit of fat. There thankfully wasn't too much to lose. I gained a little bit of strength, which was amazing. My energy stayed the same because it was pretty awesome anyway. So the main change really was just the congruency that I felt in my mind and, and in my heart that now I knew um, my actions truly were aligned with my beliefs. Yeah. And just the mindset change of this can be done mm -hmm. because before you did it, you're like, oh man, is it possible? Am I going to be able to do it? I agree with you on eggs because eggs is still one of those things that I miss. I loved eggs before. Do you guys have the just egg product over there in, in Australia? Do you know, I don't even know if we do. That's appalling. I have seen it and I've, and I've seen, um, and I've thought, wow, that looks amazing. However, I have now nailed a tofu scramble recipe and I love it so much. And, um, you know, I kind of didn't like eggs, just a boiled egg on its own or anything like that. So the to tofu scramble kind of has me covered. And when I eat out, we're, we're really lucky here in Sydney. We have some amazing options. And so the vegan pan pancakes are like to die for. <laughs> so um, as long as I don't have to cook them myself, um, I'm pretty sorted in that regard. Awesome. Yeah. I love just egg. You know, it's just a treat for us. We don't have it all the time, but it comes together really well. It's actually pretty impressive. A little okay. scary how technology can, you know, they can get the science in the kitchen and bring some of these things together from mung beans. Who would have thought, you know, amazing. Now, did you feel like when you transitioned, you still had to stay low carb or were you changing some of the macronutrient composition of your diet? Awesome question. Um, I held on to that, um, I guess, myth for quite a while. You know, I'd come up through the fitness industry and it was very, very, very focused on low carb. And I kind of felt proud of myself when I was able to achieve that as a vegetarian. Um, and, and then to do low carb as a vegan, um, whole food, low carb, really trying to stay away from the protein powder a lot as well. Um, I tried it initially and, you know, it was totally doable, but it wasn't so much fun and it was a lot of work and a lot of meal prep and eating out was really hard. And then just gradually I started opening my mind and really doing the research and 
really following some amazing people online and bit by bit I introduced more of the amazing whole foods like all the legumes and all the fruit and all the starchy veg that I'd been scared of for probably a couple of decades and I introduced them and food just got so much more delicious and so much more easy and my body composition didn't change at all and again I kind of felt like I'd been lied to, like we've all been lied to. There's so much marketing that, you know, I fell for as a personal trainer whose business was doing the research and health and fitness. And I fell for that. So I can understand how so many people do. Yeah. Well, that's so amazing. And I mean, I was just in my heart feeling so sad because beans, you know, know. like, oh my God, I don't think I could live without beans. In fact, we just celebrated Thanksgiving here in the United States recently. And I made like a very traditional Thanksgiving, which is very refined carb heavy. It was like cornbread pudding and homemade bread and stuffing. All of it's just like basically refined carbs. And we ate leftovers for two days. And my body was like screaming, give me lentils. Give me oh, some black wow. beans. I missed my beans so much because it's a daily thing that I eat. So it would be so hard for me to not eat beans. So I'm glad that my body accepts them well and I feel good when I eat beans. But that's really interesting that you were able to discover that on your own through your own body. You're like, well, you know, I can actually eat some of these whole food carbs and nothing bad's happening. In fact, it's increasing my joy. It's increasing the diversity of foods that I'm eating. It's all around. It sounds like it's a really good thing. So that's really awesome. A great point regarding the diversity. I eat such a broader range of foods now. I try and make so many new foods. Everyone thinks the vegan lifestyle is restrictive and it is anything but. I completely agree. I eat way greater diversity of foods now than I did before I was vegan. <laughs> you know, like I eat so many more things that I didn't even know existed before I was vegan. All the amazing whole grains, all the different kinds of beans. I mean, it's just so awesome. 100%. Kate, what would you say is your greatest passion right now? So it's a big one. The one that comes to mind, my passion is uh, a vegan world. You know, I'm, I, I don't hide the fact that that's what I'm working towards. That's what I want. I want that fit, strong, happy, healthy, compassionate vegan world. Um, I guess on a smaller level so far as my part in that, the thing that I'm really passionate about is my new podcast, Plant Positive. And I started that because I'm sure I'm sure you can relate when you become vegan you become aware of so much so much pain so much suffering um you've made this compassionate lifestyle choice and you've done it you know from a place of compassion and your heart and yet it's unveiled all this unnecessary cruelty around us all the time in a living in a non-vegan world and so I kind of almost did this a little bit selfishly to force me to get through life with a positive filter because this podcast is all about everything positive in the world in relation to living a vegan or plant-based lifestyle all the wins everything we have to feel grateful for and I was just noticing I was becoming um not as happy as I used to be I was becoming that 
easily frustrated and angry vegan and that's just not fun or effective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that is what I'm really passionate about right now, getting through life with a more positive filter. Oh man, I so agree with you on that one. I try as much as possible to focus on the positive. I understand the need for shocking people sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes if you don't know, that's the only way to get some people's attention. So I feel like there's lots of different angles for different personality types. And at the beginning of my journey, you know, I watched all the documentaries, the earthlings and the cove and everything that just like literally feels like you're being stabbed right in your heart, you know? But now I feel like that's not as helpful for me because Mm -hmm. just like you said, if I watch footage like that, it just makes me feel helpless. It makes me feel like overwhelmed. Like there's just so much suffering. Like there's so much, what can I even do? What, like I can't even barely move the needle a little bit. That's how I feel. But Mm -hmm. if we focus on the positive, it feels abundant and it feels plentiful and it feels like you can make a difference. So I think for some people, it can be much more encouraging to focus on the positives. And also my opinion is that unfortunately, I don't think everybody's going to be able to go vegan for a variety of different reasons. So instead of focusing on that all or nothing, whenever we focus on the positive, I think people make steps towards that. You know, how do you feel about that? Yeah, you're so right. Um, I don't think there's any one type of activism or, um, you know, any one reason to, to change your lifestyle. I think we need all the all the approaches to meet with everyone where they are, all the vegan and animal rights activist approaches to meet with all the non-vegans at whatever place they are. Most people aren't going to make the lifestyle change overnight. You're so mm-hmm. bright. And so it's a constant negotiation with myself um, so far as my heart, which is vegan truth bombs and just shock people into action versus knowing in my brain what is more effective and and that's just leaving leading with love and compassion and letting people move at their own pace and championing them at their own pace and um it's a more fun approach as well as a more effective approach yeah but you're totally right it requires patience right it does sometimes it you just does. want to grab people and grab by the shoulders and shake and be like don't I you shake this <laughs> you know like why so agree. you see this it's hard being in that place i remember it when is. i first transitioned and you you're just angry you're just yeah. angry you know it's like you yeah. wake up your eyes are open to this whole new world and just like you said before how did i not know any of mm-hmm. this what was it that happened at 16 that caused you to make the change to vegetarianism? Do you know, it felt like it was overnight. I was that that kid that used to say I could never be vegetarian. We'd eat meat um, certainly at every lunch and dinner, but often at breakfast as well. And, you know, there was a girl at school in my final year um, or second to last year at school who was vegetarian and we had a long conversation and we used to go skiing in New Zealand and it was a three-hour car drive. And I can remember the the trucks, the the trucks on their way to slaughter crammed full of sheep that would pass on, on these long car journeys. And you could smell and feel the fear 
And you didn't see anything more than those individuals crammed into that truck, but you just knew something was wrong. And I think it was the conversation with the girl at school that let me understand that I had a choice. I didn't have to be like everyone else. She had decided and I could decide as well. And then the tipping point, the very last meal was we were actually away skiing and we were staying, um, we were at a friend's house and they served us this smoked trout and fish roast soup. And it was the richest thing I've ever eaten in my life. And you know, when you're that age, you have to eat it to be polite. And I forced it down and it was hideous. And I vomited in the car ride home after that meal. And I kind of just declared to myself that what I put in my mouth from now on is going to be aligned with my values and beliefs and what feels right to me. No more being polite, no more fitting in with everyone else. Um, So that was probably the, the final moment. To all of my listeners, old and new, on my website, dryami.com, that's spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com forward slash free. There are lots of cool downloads. If you are ready to make a change this year, to go more plant-based or to get out of a rut, to try new things, to get out of your comfort zone, remember, discomfort is the catalyst for growth. So if you need some assistance in that area, check out my freebies. I have guides to replace meat, to replace dairy, ideas for breakfast, lunch, dinner, a plant-based shopping guide, eating out guide. If you are ready to tackle sustainability and decreasing your waste, they have a zero waste swaps on there as well. So check it out, dryami.com forward slash free. Wow, at age 16, so young to make that declaration that you're going to honor your values. I love it. Oh gosh, I wish it was younger. I spoke to the amazing athlete and and marathon runner Fiona Oaks who made the decision at four years old. I mean, come on. What an amazing woman. She's early. Yeah, totally. She's very dedicated for sure. For sure. Well, like you said, we all go at our own pace. And I feel like just thinking back on my youth, I was very trusting. I was always very Mm. trusting of everybody around me. Like I was trusting of authority. I was trusting of the policies that were made. And I just believed that it had to be the best way. Like we ate meat because we had to, like, otherwise Mm. we wouldn't be like, I just trusted that everybody was thinking through all these things. Isn't that funny? Like I just had that trust and it took me until my thirties when I felt like I had the courage to be like, actually. I don't agree with everybody else because it's a big everybody else. You know, yeah. vegan, vegans are just like 1% of the population here in the United States. So it's everybody else is a very big number. So to say, I don't agree with that anymore, that requires a lot of courage. So you did it, I think, very young because I think, especially with adolescents and teenagers, they do want to be like everybody else. It's part of normal development to fit in and to be part of the tribe. So to declare yourself as separate from that, that's a big deal, you know? Well, thank you. As I said, I wish it was younger. And, you know, I just, I think it's so sad that 
that we're lied to and that you you see interactions with with parents and their children and um you know I, I remember hanging out with I, this was when I was newly vegan and um I went to a very dear friend's birthday and she actually had a p- pig on a spit at the birthday and she knew I was vegan and she'd kind of mentioned it to me, not as in can I, but just as in letting you know. And I wasn't an activist then. You know, there's now there's no I just not go now, even though she's one of my closest friends and it was a really big birthday. But um back then I, I did go and I was there and her gorgeous little daughter, who I love so much, was inquiring about the pig because she could see what it was for the first time that product that she was consuming she could see that it had been this beautiful individual and she was asking her mum how it got to be like this and and did it suffer and I was there in the background going Kate do not open your mouth this is not your place right now it's not your place you don't even have kids you don't it's not your place and her mum said you know well well darling I hope not something like that and I'm like you know it suffered. But, um, yeah, it's just really sad seeing those seeds planted, you know, for the, for the species, speciesism that, that will exist in, in that gorgeous little girl's life now until she gets to chat with me again. But, yeah, anyway. Yeah, because just like I was saying before, she trusts, she trusts she the does. adult to, yep. to guide her and to tell her. And then, you know, if she's told, yeah, no, it's fine, then she's going to be like, okay, well, it's fine. You know, um, it is tough, you know, let's talk about real quick Australia, because I don't know a ton (laughs) about Australia, but I imagine that it's pretty similar to United States, you know, Barbie, you know, you guys have barbecues there all the time. You Mm -hmm. have meat. So is Australia very meat centric, just like the United States is? And what is the animal agriculture scene like there? Do you feel like things are progressing and advancing, people are starting to realize some of the horrors of animal agriculture or not really? I feel like Australia is so much like the US, too much like the US. I would find it hard to believe there's anywhere more meat-centric than Australia. You know, there's nothing more Aussie man than the Australian barbecue and, you know, it it, it breaks my heart. Um, you know, it, it is it is still socially ostracizing when you have a huge group of friends and, and the way that they celebrate for, um, you know, Australia day is just this massive barbecue, like multiple barbecues full of, of dead bodies. And of course we're really lucky now in that we have all the delicious, delicious vegan alternatives that I could bring, but I just don't want to see those barbecues laden with bodies and, and smell them. And, you know, one of our, one of our, I guess, traditions, the way we bring kids up is we have this, this thing called nippers, which is teaching them, you know, how to be surf safe and how to, how to swim. And it's in summertime here down at the beaches. And, you know, it's amazing, like all these little nippers, um, you know, learning to swim and sprinting along the sand and hundreds of them there with their mums and dads and, and huge barbecues where we feed these kids after they've, you know, been so athletic and, and healthy and so much fun. We feed them sausages and that's the tradition every Sunday morning in summer here. Um, you know, 
teach these kids this amazing community spirit of the nippers and then feed them dead animals that are type 1 carcinogenic foods. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, so yeah, we're, our eyes are opening slowly, but there is huge pushback as well from animal agriculture as there is everywhere. And the thing I've really noticed about Australia is the language used by the media to paint our farmers, and I'm talking about animal farmers, to paint our farmers as genuine, salt of the earth, hardworking, small family businesses, so affected by the drought, the poor farmers, they need these government subsidies. And, you know, I really think we need to get better as animal rights activists at at working with the farmers and it not being an us versus them because the media creates the us versus them conflict and language and that sells clicks and all of this, you know, the drama, right? Whereas, you know, in my heart, I uh, like we need the farmers. I love the farmers. They just need to farm plants, not animals. Yeah. No, I that this is something that I'm also very passionate about because my family is a farming family. So I am from a family of dairy farmers and I know for sure that my grandfather who started with literally nothing, like no, Mm -hmm. nothing dirt poor, like, you know, dirt poor literally. And built an amazing business. I know he worked hard. I know he cared and I know he did his best. And my uncle, who is very ingrained in the dairy culture in Panama, he advocates for farmers. He loves the farmers. He cares about them. He mm-hmm. knows them as people, as human beings, as people that just want to take care of their families. So I do get bothered by demonization on both mm-hmm. sides. So I don't think that it's helpful to demonize the farmers even necessarily demonize industries because the truth is everybody in that industry, they truly believe that they're doing one of the best things ever. You know, like they are ingrained in the culture, just like eating meat is ingrained in the Australian culture and the American culture. So they come from this set of beliefs. So I think, like you said, it's more effective to go to these farmers, go to these industries and Let's try to find some compromises. Where can we reach a place where it's win-win instead of like, you're evil, you should just disappear from the earth. You know, we're all humans. We're all just trying to do the best. And they believe this one thing. We believe this one thing. But really what we all want to do is take care of our families and have happiness and joy, you know? And so coming from that side, I know because I have the inside eyes on what farmers lives look like, you know? Mm. So I, yeah, I think that that's so insightful of you to be able to see it from that perspective, because not all vegans do see that, you know? 
No, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of conversations. Um, and, you know, I, I speak with the activists who, to use the word, which um, I proudly wear, um, activists who are more extreme than me and activists who are more chill than me. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of in the middle and I learn from both. And, um, you know, as, as consumers, as you, as you say, we should never demonise the, the farmers. They are only there perpetuating the cycle of cruelty that is animal agriculture because individual consumers are demanding those products. Mm-hmm. If individual consumers demand more plant products, as they are, but as they need to do in, in, in so much more um, quantity, um, then the farmers will, will change. Yes. It's an evolution. And we see it happening here in the United States too. There's so many dairy companies that are like, you know what? Dairy is becoming a losing business. We're going mm. to make almond milk or oat milk. I love it. You know? And you're right. It is supply and demand. And as consumers, once we start changing our preferences, then naturally what's being offered is going to start changing as well. Well, Absolutely. you as a coach, you help people transition, you help people with their fitness. What do you think is the greatest obstacle that people face when they are first adopting a vegan lifestyle? Do you know, I would absolutely say it's just that we live in a non-vegan world. Um, The obstacle before you adopt it is you think it's going to be really hard and restrictive and the food is going to be so bland and you're going to struggle with your health and energy and all of that. However, as nearly everyone I've spoken to um, agrees, that's just not the case. The actual food components, even the actual clothing and cosmetic and entertainment, all of that component of living a either vegan or plant-based lifestyle is so much easier than you would expect. But what is actually so much harder than you would expect is non-vegans and living in a non-vegan world and particularly relationships with non-vegans who you love. Um, That's actually really, really tough. And the solution, I guess, is to find community, you know, to find those like-minded people, whether they're online or or face-to-face, who are on the same page, who make you, you know, who validate your feelings and your pain and your frustration, Um, you know, so that time to time, from time to time, you can exist in that happy little vegan bubble that we'd all love to live in and then come back with with strength to interact with your non-vegan loved ones in a, in a calm and compassionate way. Yeah. I love my vegan bubble. You're right. (laughs) It gives you the energy to go forth, go forward. And it allows you to remember that there's other people that share in your values. And I think that that's, that's really important. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. And thank you to all of you that have picked up a copy of my book available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. It's called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. If you're ready to go on that journey to bring more peace and joy to your dinner table rather than tears and battles, then you need this book. It's for parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, anybody that feeds kids or even feeds themselves. Because like I've said before, if you've struggled with issues of poor body image, yo-yo dieting, any of those things, 
I think the words in this book could really help you bring peace to your life and a better relationship with food and with your body. It's called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. When I first adopted veganism, I didn't know any vegans at all. I live in a small town, small community. And then my husband's like, oh, you know, I know I have a friend whose girlfriend is vegan. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> it was like one person. <laughs> okay. Wow. And that's how it started. And so I ended up starting a group in my community. And now there's hundreds of us here. And so that's kind of nice. But at the beginning, you. you have to reach out and really look. But we're so lucky now that the internet just opens up the entire world. Like I'm talking to you from Australia. How awesome is that? Amazing, right? So cool. Well, when people first come to you, do you feel like there's a lot of people that are coming for ethical reasons, health reasons, environmental reasons, a combination? Do you know, it's such a broad mix and, um, you know, the people that are more, I guess, aligned with, with me, they'd probably be coming from an, an ethical animal rights approach because that is very clearly my approach. I, I won't hide it. However, the people that I work with so far as one-on-one personal training, most of them have been with me for a, a very long time. Some of them have been with me the entire 15 years I've been a trainer. Wow. Many more have been with me, you know, the last decade. And so obviously they started with me when I was vegetarian and I really, I, I was vegetarian purely for me and the animals. I didn't force it on anyone at all. Whereas now as a vegan health coach, I wear my little, you know, vegan muscle killing workouts, not animal singlet in the gym every single day. And I do lead with it. However, I haven't been taking on new clients in the gym for years now. I've been at capacity for years. So it's more a matter of letting the the beliefs filter through to my existing client base. I really can't force it on them. You can't force it on anyone anyway. However, I guess to answer your question a, a little bit more so, most of those people really care about their health and that is the way in with them. So mm-hmm. for them to see me transition from vego to vegan and still be that fit, healthy, always training, never sick trainer in the gym, the only vegan, um, and for them to gradually be open to kind of doing their own due diligence, people need to do their own research, no matter how much they trust their trainer, they need to look into it for themselves, see what resonates with them. So bit by bit, it's filtering through. However, as with everything, I would love for it to happen so much faster. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's so cool that you have been at capacity for so many years. You must be really good that you maintain your clients for such a long time. That's pretty amazing. Thank you. I have a loyal client base. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. Well, Kate, you have your top 10 tips to make adopting a plant-based lifestyle easy. Can you share those with us? I can indeed and and button where you need to or stop me where you need to. But number one is rather than one main event, I recommend um, building your your meals around fibrous veg, plant-based protein and good fats. And more the mindset is, you know, you don't 
the meat used to be the hero of the meal. It used to be the superstar, but now we get multiple abundant superstars in one meal. It's not just about that hunk of flesh. It's about so much plant-based deliciousness. Mm -hmm. Number two is to prioritize one ingredient whole foods. Um, Absolutely. There's a place for vegan junk food. It's amazing. It's delicious, but um, you know, number one should be those whole foods. Tip three, buy quality produce and give it the same respect that we all used to give our animal product favorites. I think this one's really important. If you just got a slab of anything, be it animal flesh or tofu, it's going to taste pretty boring. Mm -hmm. So everything I used to love about the roast that my mum would make or the, you know, the schnitzel that breaks my heart or the chard on the barbecue meat, just do that with your veg, you know, buy good quality veg and, and, you know, legumes and marinate your tofu and barbecue your veg and roast them and, and that sort of thing. Number I four. I want to interrupt real quick and say that that yes. is such a good tip because I do believe that people erroneously think that plants can be bland and boring compared to meat. But what mm. they forget is that meat like you said, is marinated, it's seasoned, it's got all these, you know, salt and pepper and everything. If you didn't do that to it, it would also be very bland. But I think people yep. forget that part, you know, that you have to actually think about seasonings and how you prepare it and all of this stuff. So I think that's a really great tip. Awesome. Thank you. Um, tip four um, is don't be disheartened by a recipe flop. Um, you know, you're going to have recipe wins. You're going to have recipe failures. As I shared, I haven't nailed an omelet yet, but um, we've had so many failures in our animal product consuming life as well, right? So just remember that and, and try again. Number five is, and I love this one, you might have to eat larger meals to be satisfied. What a happy problem. And because of the low caloric density of of so many plant foods, and don't be afraid of good fats. Obviously, this is dependent on what sort of health condition you're coming from. But for the majority of us who, or for those of us that are lucky enough to, you know, have no pre-existing conditions that, that we're struggling with or aware of, Good fats, and I mean whole fats, your nuts, your seeds, your avocados, not your refined oils. Um, I found I've gotten to eat so many more of those than I used to. I used to be terrified of fats and carbs. Gosh, life wasn't much fun. Um, And now I eat them abundantly. Tip six. Find creative alternatives for the meals you used to love. So absolutely, we don't want this lifestyle to be about restriction. If you get huge emotional joy from food like I do, then think of those meals and find the vegan alternative. And my favorite way to do it, apart from following amazing accounts on YouTube, is just to put the hashtag vegan, whatever it is, vegan pancake, vegan omelette, into Instagram and see all the beautiful, amazing pictures and often recipes that come up. 
Number seven, find plant-based pimps to add to any um, meal. So plant-based protein pimps to add to any meal. So there's the myth that we're not going to get enough protein. It's really not a problem. However, you do want a decent amount of protein and it is satisfying. So I would recommend you are going to be in situations where you have that lightweight, unsatisfying, uninspiring salad. Get really good at... um, the protein pimps you can add to it, the hemp seeds, the pumpkin seeds, the nuts, the can of four bean mix, whatever it may be. Number eight, along a similar kind of vein, when you're eating out, scan the menu for easy additions. So what I mean by this is, you know, you might think you've just got that really boring stir-fried green veg option, um, for your salad. However, look what's in the meat meals and the other meals that might be an easy addition. So maybe something comes with roast pumpkin or avocado or whatever sort of nuts happen to be in the menu. Ask them to get added to your potentially lightweight meal. Number nine, the last two are probably my favorites. Number nine, the more certain you are of your choices, the more certain your loved ones will be as well. So It's getting really clear on your why, on the reason you're committed to this lifestyle and the more effective you are at communicating that judgment-free but clearly and certain with certainty, the more accepting your loved ones will be in the same vein that, you know, when you kind of have that little bit of pavlova to, to, because your mum made it especially for you and you can't say no, you're teaching her to make it again and she will make it again. And you're going to encounter that same incongruency when you eat it again. Mm-hmm. Number 10, everything counts. Move at your own pace. There's no wrong or bad vegan. Having said that, um, I would really also recommend seeking out those mentors um, and the emotional fuel that will help you stay on track at your own pace. You know, so initially it might be those mentors who have the amazing health that you know, you're, you're also striving to have. And then when you get more comfortable with the lifestyle, maybe you can, you feel comfortable opening your eyes more to the animal ethics and and watching a film like Dominion or Earthlings. Um, but again, if you, if you stuff up, um, the same with anything health, you know, you get another chance at your very next meal to, to upgrade, to do that a little bit better. Yes. Oh, those are, fantastic tips. I love how you include everything from how you can cook for yourself, making meals to yourself, to eating out. And then the mindset, you know, number nine, the more certain you are of your choices of why you're doing this, everybody around you too. But also I think that's going to increase your chances that you're going to be in this for the long term. You know, like, you know, why, why you're doing this, why you're going through learning new things, which always uncomfortable to go out of our comfort zone of what we know is safe and familiar. We're going to push ourselves to learn new things. It's not deprivation. It's not painful, but it's just discomfort, you know? So whenever you know why you're doing that, you're more likely to continue and keep putting one foot in front of the other instead of giving up. So that is beautiful. I love your tips. So great. 
Thank you. Mindset is everything. You know, when it's locked and loaded and working for you, it makes everything easier. And when it's not, um, it makes everything a constant struggle. Yes. Oh, I agree with you for sure on that one. What do you wish more people knew? Do you know, I, I wish more people knew that there can be no such thing as humane slaughter. I wish everyone knew that the suffering behind animal products, um, because then I'm, I'm hopeful that, that, you know, people are generally compassionate, right? If they can't, I think some people choose ignorance with volition. They choose not to see. So I just wish everyone knew and then the world would be vegan. That's what I wish for. Yes, it would be the the easy first step and then everything would just be domino effect after that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good? <laughs> well, this may be very similar. So it's kind of a similar question, but if you had a magic wand and you could change or create anything in the world, what would you do? Do you know it is similar, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you another angle on it. It, it. it would be, I would want us to live in a compassionate vegan world. And that is because of the flow on fat effect. I think if as children, we weren't taught to exploit certain animals, if from a very young age, we were taught love and compassion and respect for animals, how are we then going to go out into the world and be um, racist and sexist and um, like we're just not. If we're taught love and compassion for the very smallest animal in our life from our very youngest, I really do think that's going to translate into compassion for all the other humans in the world. And, and yeah, I'm a bit of a dreamer. I'm a bit of a, an idealist, um, very optimistic, but um, that just sounds like a beautiful world to me. Definitely. So beautiful, a beautiful vision. And yes, if we are able to experience this empathy, this compassion and this love for the most vulnerable, it'll translate into everything else. So it'll, it's just a win, win, win situation. And I do believe that we'll eventually get there. I don't think it's going to happen right now or in the next maybe five, 10 years, but I feel like we will eventually as a human race I think we'll get to that place because we have in our brains that capacity. You know, we have that ability to think just beyond these immediate urges, you know, that primitive side of our brain. We can think beyond there and start reasoning. And so I think that eventually it will happen. But so beautiful that you to have that vision. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about your personal habits. So what personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it? Do you know, it's a bit of a cliche. However, I'm going to go with it anyway. Um, for me, it's meditation. And reason being is I failed, inverted commas, at meditation for years before I made it stick. And, you know, it's not, I'm not that much of a kind of, I'm not really such a calm person. And I'm really conscious of how I spend my time. And I always felt like meditation was a bit of a waste of time that that I could be getting so much more done in that time. And equally, I was aware that so many people that I respected 
raved about it. So there had to be more to it. So as I said, it took me years. I had to really lower the bar. I started off trying to meditate twice a day for 20 minutes. That was ridiculous. I started at five minutes. I built it up to 10 minutes. It's still actually only 10 minutes. However, the the sense of calm and control and pause it gives me um, throughout the day because it's not about the time that you're meditating. It's about the the control it gives you um, in every interaction and in every response throughout your entire day. Um, it's definitely the most beneficial habit that I've added to my life, particularly so far as time invested, like 10 minutes a day, it's nothing. Get up 10 minutes earlier, all good. Yes. And it does, it's an exponential reward. I think how many years have you been meditating regularly? Gosh, it has to be like five or six, I think now. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, just don't give up because there's still days I've been meditating off and on for probably almost 11 years now. And there's some days where, yeah, my brain's like, woo. Like it will not focus and that's okay. I just have patience with myself and know tomorrow's probably going to be better. But I, I don't remember where I read this, but some great teacher said, maybe it was a Dalai Lama that the (laughs) people that feel that they don't need meditation are probably the people that most need meditation. Oh, that was (laughs) me. Totally (laughs) resonates 100%. Kate, this has been so fabulous. I thank you so much for all the work that you do for your beautiful, loving, kind, compassionate heart. And so glad that you're in Australia advocating for the animals across the ocean over there on that side of the world. For people that want to get to know more about you and find your services and products, where can listeners connect with you and what products and services do you offer right now? Thank you so much, Dr. Yami. Um, The main way to connect with me is strongbodygreenplanet.com or strongbodygreenplanet across the socials. Um, So far as products and services, it is really just the podcast, actually both the podcasts. So obviously they're free. They're my passion. They're my heart. I have one called Healthification, which is an interview style show. I get to chat with amazing activists and authors and athletes, and I love it so much. However, we do cover some fairly heavy stuff in those conversations. So it's been running six years, 700 plus shows. And as I mentioned, I've recently started up Plant Positive, and it's more I like to think of it as a bit of a Trojan horse. I want it to appeal to more people because it's just all the good stuff. It's everything like fun and positive and inspirational vegans and all of that, even though it's a solo show. And so it is for the person who's just kind of either the activist that needs a little bit of positive in their life or the person who's a little bit more plant-based curious that doesn't need to hear the heavy conversations yet but hopefully we'll come across to the heavy conversations when they're ready. Awesome. Well, six years of podcasting. Congratulations. I know all the work and time that takes to develop a good podcast. So congratulations for being so dedicated and holding out. And now you have two podcasts. That's amazing. 
Thank you so much. I love them. They're they're genuinely the most fun part of my week. And something I really love about the vegan community is just the abundance mentality. The fact that you can reach out to someone who is a hero to you. I do this all the time. And it's the most exciting thing when you hear back and they're like, yes, I'd love to spend an hour chatting with you about, you know, the vegan world we want to create. Like, that is just amazing. It's the opposite of the fitness industry, which can be a little bit um, competitive and scarcity mindset. Um, so I absolutely love it. It's amazing. So cool. Well, Kate, can you leave my listeners with one call to action for the week? What is one thing that they can do this week to improve their lives? I can indeed. I talk a lot about overwhelm and um, I know right now everything can be a little bit overwhelming and the thought of adopting a plant-based lifestyle can be overwhelming as well. So with overwhelm, I would say the first helpful step is to first admit you will never get it all done. And if that's the case, it simply becomes a matter of prioritizing what does get done. And a really quick way to make a start on that is to do a mind dump, to get a huge sheet of paper if you're a person who likes to write instead of type, which I do, to jot with no censoring everything that is floating around in your mind down on that huge piece of paper in a big mind dump or mind vomit. And then we've got three Ds. I want you to go through everything on that huge bit of paper and you're going to either ditch it if it's just really not necessary. You're going to delegate it if you possibly can or else it becomes a do. So it's a ditch, a delegate or a do. And when you're looking at those do's, pick just one, prioritize them and then pick just one, that top one and schedule your first action in relation to that first do. Beautiful. Yes, you sound just like Gregory McEwen, who I interviewed recently, who said priority means one thing. It's not a yep. list of five or 10 things. So, so sometimes true. you really have to narrow it down and focus on one thing. I love that tip. So awesome. Well, Kate, thank you again so much for being a guest on Veggie Doctor Radio today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day in Australia and that you have also a very plantastic day. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Yami, you have such a beautiful, fun and genuine approach um, in your podcast. So uh, I have so much appreciation. This, this conversation has been a blast. So thank you. veggie lover i hope that you loved today's episode will you take a second and do me a huge favor please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode you're the reason i'm here and i want to share it all with you thank you for listening and have a plantastic day goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.